Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here. Good to be seen by all of you there. Thank you for joining us online. Got a good series for you going on. This is the third part of a four-part series on the book of Philippians, and we're actually looking at the topic of joy. Uh, But before we jump into the text today, I wanted to give you a quick update on our celebration offering. And I want to tell you that I think you guys are hilarious. (laughs) You're, You're hilarious, and let me tell you why. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So decide uh, what you're going to give. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. Uh, Give it cheerfully. And as a church, that's been our approach to offerings uh, every week and especially for our celebration offering that we do at the end of the year. Uh, We don't make a big emotional pitch for it. There's no guilt, no shame, no pressure. Just you decide in your heart what God wants you to give. Give it cheerfully. And the Greek word for giving cheerfully there is actually the word hilaron. And we get our word hilarious from that. And uh, God loves a hilarious giver. And so here's why I think you're hilarious. We, we made the decision that we wanted to give the, all the celebration offering to help the Life Center Church in Lucknow, India, buy the vacant lot next to their building. And uh, the lot costs, uh, costs a little over $100,000, and uh, we have recognized we're not going to raise it all. We're partnering with uh, another church, and the Life Center Church is doing their part. And so whatever we give toward it is going to help with this purchase. And Ryland introduced this idea back on the celebration weekend in November, and I mentioned it uh, another week. And then Ryland asked me to write a letter uh, to send out to all of you explaining the project. And so I write the letter, and we mailed it out this week. And here's the hilarious part. Uh, Before I could get the letter written and mailed to you, uh, you guys have already given over $20,000 to the project. How cool is that? (laughs) I think that's hilarious. Uh, And uh, you guys are just obviously generous, cheerful givers. So if you get the letter, don't view it as a plea or pitch for money. Just consider it a celebration of what God's doing in our midst. And uh, it's going to be really fun to see how much we, we end up with on that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Now to your text. On your notes, on the app, on the screens, here we go. In Philippians 4.4, 4, the Apostle Paul tells us, Rejoice in the Lord, say the word with me, always. I will say it again, rejoice. And so far we've learned that joy in our life is found in our relationship with Christ. Uh, Happiness is found in circumstances, happiness is found in the world, but joy is found in Christ. And joy does not happen by accident. Uh, It's a choice. And uh, last week we learned that uh, joy is found outside of ourselves. Joy is found in serving others. Joy is found in keeping our commitments uh, to other people. And this week we're going to look at joy's focus. Uh, the focus of joy in Philippians chapter 3. 
So here we go. Paul says, uh, whatever happens, and I just want to stop there and recognize that whatever happens is a pretty open-ended statement, uh, especially considering the circumstances that Paul is facing. I remember Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison, and he is awaiting execution. He's going to be beheaded. And so when he says, whatever happens, there's some pretty serious stuff here that could happen, like, like his own beheading. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So let me give you a little insight that maybe you've never had before. You know, joy is pleasant, joy is good, but joy can also be a weapon. A joy can be, uh, be a weapon. When you experience joy in Christ, it has power. Joy ha has the power to overcome bad circumstances. It can overcome a bad day, a bad week, a bad life. Joy can break you free from the chains that bind you. It can, it can be a weapon. Paul says, I, I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. He says, I, I never get tired of telling you uh, uh, about the things of God, reminding you of the things of God. And I love how Paul brings in the idea of reminding, remembering, reviewing the things of God in our lives. And he makes it clear that reminding, remembering, reviewing uh, those things that's crucial to the protection of your faith. I mean, the, the Bible tells us often, remember, do not forget do not forget the things that God has done for you. And so to remind means to literally uh, return to the mind. So remembering, reminding, reviewing, it's an activity of the mind. The battle of the Christian life is waged, first of all, in your mind. And the battle for joy, the battle for joy is a day-to-day, moment-by-moment battle that's waged in your mind. Because it's a choice, it's a decision that you make. Uh, this week, I, I got a text from uh, my friend Buddy Owens. Many of you remember Buddy. Buddy's preached here a couple of times. Uh, Buddy Owens uh, has written a lot of our small group studies. When we do small group studies that come from Purpose Driven, most of them have been written uh, by Buddy Owens. And uh, Buddy and I were, as Paul would say, we're brothers, we're fellow workers, we're fellow soldiers in the ministry. Uh, Buddy's one of my prayer buddies. And so this week, I got a text from him. I'm going to just share it with you. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. According to that verse, peace starts in your mind. So what are you thinking about? What are you fretting about? Let me make a suggestion. Stop imagining all that could go wrong or might happen. Stop worrying, stop fearing, stop fretting, stop imagining, and start remembering. Remember who God is and what God has done. Remember how he has already provided for you. Remember the prayers he has already answered. Remember what he's done just today. He put breath in your lungs. He kept the sun in the sky. He filled the world with a million reminders of his love and power. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We just have to stop, look, and remember God's goodness and say thank you. It's all a matter of focus. You can focus on the bad things that you're afraid might happen, or you can focus on the goodness of God. If you want peace today, that's where it begins. 
It's a glorious day, my friend. You know, Paul says that he never gets tired of reminding us of what God has done. And sometimes we can get caught up in wanting to hear something new. In another place, Paul refers to that as having itching ears, always wanting to hear the hot new thing. But Paul reminds us that there's a benefit in hearing the basic, simple truths of Christianity over and over until we learn to walk it out, to work it out in our daily lives. So what are you putting into your mind? That's the key to peace. That's the key to joy. And are you letting joy killers into your mind that rob you of your joy? Last week I gave you some joy killers. I'm going to give you some more this week. We're going to jump ahead here to Philippians 3.18. It says, For as I have often told you before, and now say again. So here's the repetition theme. It says, Even with tears. Paul, Paul is moved as he thinks of this. He says, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. You know, it's so easy to get stuck on earthly things. And if you do that, if you live that way, it'll kill your joy. So their first kill joy killer is to be unaware of the benefits of the cross. Paul says some live even as enemies of the cross, but we can also be unaware of the benefits of the cross. And maybe you've come into church today and you're, you're unaware of the benefits of the cross. Maybe all you've ever known are just earthly things. And so it's my prayer that this message will expand your mind to think of greater things, things beyond what you can see and taste and touch and hear. And it's easy to become world-dependent instead of God-dependent. But we'll never find joy when we look to the world for the things that only God can offer us. And so we've got to be, be aware of the benefits of the cross. Another joy killer is addicted to pleasure. Addicted to pleasure. Paul says, don't let your stomach become your God. Don't let your fleshly appetites consume you. Paul says their glory is in their shame. And if there's ever a phrase that describes America today, that's it. You know, our addiction to sinful pleasure is not just private anymore. It's gone public. There is so much celebration of sin in our day, a celebration of wickedness. The more shameful you act, the more famous you can become. We're addicted to pleasure. It's amazing how the more we pursue earthly pleasure, the less and less joy that we see. I mean, people who are doing that, they just never seem joyful to me. They just always seem angry and upset. Because it does, it's not the pathway to joy, it kills your joy. The third joy killer is earthly-minded. Earthly-minded. Paul says it's, it's not just the bad things that can trip us up. It can just be the everyday routine of life. The get up, get the kids to school, go to work, run some errands, eat supper, watch TV, go to bed, and do it all over again the next day. Uh, we can focus on an earthly routine that is centered on the pursuit of happiness that is fleeting and insufficient. 
And in the midst of that earthly routine, that daily grind, we find ourselves asking, isn't there more? There has got to be more than this. And there is more. God, God didn't intend for us to go through our routine and live a natural life. God wants us to live a supernatural life in Christ. Every day, we're, we're in a battle between the pull of living an earthly, natural life and the calling from God to live a supernatural life. That's the choice. That's the tension that we're faced with. In Romans 12, 2, Paul says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, to the routine, to the rut of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life, but you don't live out that good, pleasing, and perfect will by accident. It comes when you renew your mind, when you focus your mind and energy on pursuing God's perfect will. I mean, here's the contrast in Romans 8. It says, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. We have access to life, access to peace, access to joy when we have the mind of Christ, when we have the mind of the Spirit. That, that's the more that God offers us. And uh, here's how Paul says it in Philippians. He gives us the key to joy, the key to joy. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And, and Paul intentionally uses this citizenship concept here because he knows how much citizenship meant to the Philippians. The Philippians were citizens of the Roman Empire, and that was a huge deal to them. Roman citizens came with all kinds of, of benefits that the conquered people in the Roman Empire didn't have. There were benefits to being a citizen of Rome rather than being someone that Rome had conquered. And Paul was a Roman citizen. And so in Acts 22, he's arrested in Jerusalem for causing a riot with one of his sermons. That's on my bucket list. That's one of my, I'm, one of my dream things. Not today, but someday I'd like to preach a sermon that causes a riot. And, uh, and so th they arrest him for creating this disturbance, and they're about to flog him when Paul says, is this what you do to a Roman citizen? And it's like he said the magic word. I mean, it changed the whole situation, just the mention of his Roman, uh, Roman citizenship. So both Paul and the Philippians, they've got a high regard for citizenship. And Paul makes the point that the highest citizenship is our citizenship in heaven as followers of Jesus Christ. He says, we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And to eagerly await means to be focused on what or who you're waiting for. So, so here, here's the point. If you want peace, if you want love, if you want joy, joy beyond your circumstances then you've got to be eternally minded. Not earthly minded. Eternally minded. How do we do that? How do we do that? Uh, there are three things to help you get joy's focus. Number one, you've got to see God's redemption for my yesterday. 
God's redemption for my yesterday. Paul says, but whatever was to my profit. And, and, and I just want to stop here and, and tell you that Paul is a man with a past. You know, Paul grew up in a household where he was taught to be religious. He, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was out of the tribe of Benjamin. And, and because of all of that, he was prideful. And he was power hungry. And he was a persecutor of the church. Uh, Paul was involved in the murder of the first Christian martyr. Uh, Paul had a dark side uh, to his life before he came to Christ. Uh, so much so that he refers to himself at one point as the chief of sinners. Uh, he, Paul's got a lot of baggage. But he's not living out of those bags. You know, it, it can be so easy for us to let our past define us. And without even realizing it, we can make decisions on a daily basis that are filtered through the lens of our past. And we can find ourselves living out of our baggage, living out of our regrets. And when Paul talks about his past, we don't see him living with regrets. He's not ashamed of his past. He's not afraid of his past. He's not defined by his past. What we see is Paul is using his past. He's found redemption in his past. And he recognizes, you know what? Whatever's back there, what, whatever's back there, God is using it for something greater. And I'd offer you that same perspective for yourself. God offers redemption for your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. God wants to use your past for his glory. Use it for something greater. And you may say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. Well, I know what I've done, and I know what Paul has done. And if God can use the past of a murderer and a persecutor of the church, God can use me, and God can use you. He says, whatever was to my profit, whatever good things happened in the past, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I'm going to give you three things out of this passage. There's no fill-ins or no place on your notes. You'll have to make room for these. The first one is, remember the cross every day. Remember the cross every day every day every day you're at a crossroad if you live every day with the cross on your mind if you live crosswise you're gonna live crosswise with this world <laughs> and so you better remember that and you better prepare yourself for it how, how do you prepare second thing you remember the righteousness of Christ Remember the cross every day. Remember the righteousness of Christ. You won't find joy living life in your own righteousness because, frankly, you have no righteousness. 
The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. At one time, an, an atheist was trying to convince me that he was a good person. And he actually said to me, he said, I'm a good person. I keep the Ten Commandments. Okay? And I said, well, that's interesting because the first four commandments are about obeying and honoring and believing in God. So obviously you don't do those. So now we're down to 60%. Okay? And then I said, have you ever disrespected your parents? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you coveted your neighbor's boat? Have you lusted after another woman? And finally he blurted out, well, I've never murdered anybody. And I thought, well, great, now we're down to one. And I told him, I said, you know, Jesus says if you've ever been angry at someone, then you have committed murder in your heart. I said, the truth is, all of us think we're better than we are. None of us are as good as we think we are. The truth is that we're certainly not good enough to get into heaven on our own merit. And that's why we need a Savior. We need a Savior because we need the righteousness of Christ. In and of myself, I have no standing before God. My only standing before God is through my faith in the righteousness of Christ. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. i got to remember the righteousness of Christ if I'm going to have joy. And third, I've got to remember the fellowship of Christ. I remember the fellowship of Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know his power. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to become like him even in his death. And I want to share in his resurrection. You know, this is big stuff. This isn't just a matter of life and death. This is a, a matter of heaven and hell. This is a matter of eternity. Paul says, whatever happened yesterday, whatever happened in your past, let God redeem it. And then you walk it out. You work it out every day. You remember the cross. You remember the righteousness of Christ. You remember the fellowship of Christ. Number two, if you're going to have a joy focus, I've got to see God's purpose for my today. I've got to see God's purpose in my today. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know, Christ took a hold of my life for a purpose. He took a hold of your life for a purpose. Christ has a plan for me, for my life, past, present, and future. There's something bigger, something greater out there. And so I press on. I reach out to grab a hold of it. As brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I don't want to make my life about the options that I have here on earth. I want to make my life about the one thing that God made me to do. I want to be focused like a bullet that hits the bullseye, not like a shotgun that hits everything. 
I want to be laser focused on the purpose that God has for me. Paul says, I press on, I press on. There's a striving in the Christian life, like a runner in a marathon. You know, I, I've never run a marathon. I'll tell you right now, I'm never going to run a marathon. Okay? <laughs> but, but I know what it's like. I know what it's like to turn the corner and see home. I know what it's like to, to see the goal. I know what it's like to see the destination and like a runner that has turned the corner and can see the finish line and stretches out with every step toward the goal. Paul says, I keep my eye on the prize. I run toward the goal. I have purpose in every step. I press on, I press on, I press on. Do you feel like there should be more to your life? Do you have some holy discontent in your life? I mean, there's just got to be more. Embrace that. Embrace that. God is telling us that there is something more that we need to be pursuing. Don't, don't get earthly-minded. Instead, spend your life passionately pursuing the things of God. Make the decision to respond to God's call on your life. Commit to a direction. Take whatever step it takes to get there. Go back to school. Take classes. Change jobs. If you've got to move to a different city, do it. Take growth track seriously. Join a dream team. Find a place to serve. Do something that matters forever. Be eternally minded. Pursue God's purpose for your life in the present. It'll bring you joy. Number three, you've got to see God's plan for my tomorrow. See God's plan for my tomorrow. Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. God has a plan. God has a plan of transformation. God has a plan of glorification for us. God wants to take us to a better place. God wants to transform us into something glorious. And in his writings, Paul, Paul gives us two perspectives on his life. Uh, he provides us, he'll provide us with a list of his accomplishments, and then he'll provide us with a list, not so much of failings, but of his sufferings. You know, he tells us about the ups and the downs. In 2 Corinthians 11, and again here in Philippians 3, he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm an Israelite. I'm a child of Abraham. I've been circumcised. I, 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 I'm a servant of Christ. He says, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged severely, and been exposed to death again and again. I've been scourged, I've been beaten, I've been stoned, I've been shipwrecked three times. I spent a night swimming in the open sea. I've been hungry and thirsty and cold and naked. I've been at the top of the heap and I've been imprisoned in a dungeon. And he says, and I am eagerly awaiting my redemption and glorification in heaven. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul, Paul recognized that this life... With, with its ups and its downs. It, this life is not the end. Heaven is the end. Heaven is the goal. You know, in my own life, I'm, I, I'm a scenario planner. 
When, when I think about the future, I like to run different scenarios. I like to go through all the options. If I do this, then this will happen, then I'll do this, and that'll happen, and this will happen. And I just like to, to run those scenarios out. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm a scenario planner. I'm also a fretter. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes I hope and plan for the best for a good outcome, and sometimes I plan for the worst and scare myself. Uh, you know, sometimes the scenarios turn into these apocalyptic sci-fi horror movies, okay? I mean, you want to know, you know, what could possibly go wrong? I can tell you. <laughs> you know, I've already thought about it. And, and, but as I think through these different situations and scenarios, as I plod through the list of, and this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, eventually get to and I go to heaven and be with Jesus. And see, every string of, and then this happens, and this happens, and this happens, whether it's good or bad, whether it's a dream or a nightmare, they all have the same happy ending. They, uh, uh, they all wind up in heaven. And knowing that heaven is the end changes my perspective on everything that happens in between, both good and bad. You know, compared to heaven, none of the good stuff measures up. Paul says, I count all my accomplishments as rubbish. You know, compared to heaven, none of the bad stuff matters. Paul says, these light and momentary afflictions, you know, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the scourging, being in prison, being beheaded, those things are nothing compared to heaven. There is tremendous power in thinking eternally. There's great freedom in thinking eternally. There's great joy in thinking eternally. Because no matter what happens, good, bad, indifferent, I wind up in heaven with Jesus and this lowly body gets transformed into something glorious. I mean, you think this is nice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's a new and improved version on the way. Yeah. And you know, the joy mindset, you don't get stuck in your past with your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You just redeem them. You don't live just for pleasure in the present. No, you don't make your, your stomach your God. You pursue God's purpose for your life. And then you don't fret about your future. You just press on toward the prize. You live with an eternal perspective. When you do that, you see life past, present, and future. Your past can be redeemed. God has a purpose for your present, and God has a plan for your future. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much for these people and for their, their dear love for you. I just pray that you'll make yourself very real to them here in this moment, that they can realize that their past can be forgiven, that their past can be redeemed, and that you can use whatever's happened for your glory. God, I pray that you would impress upon each one of us the purpose that you have for our life, the call that you're placing on our lives to live a supernatural life. Not a natural life, not a routine life. Not living in a rut, but God, that we are on a path of purpose. Pray you'd help us to, to strive, to press on, for that glorious future that you have for us, the hope of heaven. God, we thank you for that. And may these thoughts bring joy.
to our hearts and minds today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.